0: Space Shuttle, this is Flight Safety. This podcast may contain at all themes and language. Listener discretion is advised. Please keep your hands and arms inside the vehicle while in motion. You are clear for launch. The following paragraphs are from Chapter 12 of a fan fiction titled License to Kill by today's guest fan fiction writer, The Writing Blues. Do you trust me? Sarah Whispers a question that has Ava's breathing catching slightly. This isn't part of this. Sarah is going off script here and Ava freezes, not knowing what to say. A single finger drifts up to her stomach, finding its way to her breastbone before coming back down again. Swallowing thickly, Ava shifts her thighs to gain some kind of friction. I don't trust anybody, Ava replies, as Sarah's eyes flicker upwards to her once more. It's not the answer Sarah was looking for, and Ava knows it, but she has no idea why this question is being asked right now in the first place. Teeth nip into the soft skin of Ava's thigh, right over a scar that came from a bullet graze four years ago. Do? Sarah lilts, her lips soothing the same place she just bit. You? Another kiss lands on her hip. Trust me. The final kiss lands just on Ava's pubic bone. Sarah's chin nearly brushing, where Ava needs her most. Black burns through the blue in Sarah's eyes, turning them dark as she stirs up at Ava. Ava wants to fight this. She almost wants to run. Trusting someone doesn't just mean accepting that they could one day hurt Ava. It's so much more than that. It means accepting an eventual loss. That thought has Ava's chest threatening to spasm as she blinks rapidly to avoid any tears forming. She already lost Sarah, or so she thought. Sarah doesn't understand what she's asking Ava to admit right now. This isn't just a question for the now, it's a question for the future, for the always. This would mean Ava saying she could live with the kind of loss she'd spent years running away from. This would mean Ava caving to the conflict that had been at war inside her body from the moment Sarah came into her life once more. Does Ava surrender, or does she continue to fight? Fingertips press under her hip bone, gentle, not harsh, drawing Ava back to the present. Wrenched back from the depths of her mind, Ava decides to settle somewhere in the middle ground. That feels safe for now. Taking in a quiet breath, Ava lets it out and looks to Sarah's soft eyes. I could. One day, Ava murmurs, her tone so hushed, She's not sure that Sarah even heard it at all. Sarah's eyes peer up at her. Waves of blue colliding in one place. Fragments and clusters of color that Ava could never look away from. Another kiss is dropped along Ava's skin. Something tender that has that ache rising up in her once more. Can't that be enough? Ava whispers. Her hand sliding over Sarah's arm along her stomach. Her fingertips pressing into Sarah's skin as she asks the question. There's no reply from Sarah, just a quiet hum before she lowers her head down. When her tongue finally meets Ava, Ava tips her head back and closes her eyes, trying to meet Sarah somewhere in the middle for now. To the north, south, east, and west, four corners of the world. Greetings from the wild, arid desert of the American Southwest. I'm your host, Chaos Blue, and this is the Fanfic Maverick Podcast. Today's guest fanfiction writer is The Writing Blues. She's been a member of AO3 since 2016 and has 15 fanfiction works posted for the 100. Andy sees Legends of Tomorrow. She's into hiking and camping with her dog. Hell yes. And the Writing Blues also has synesthesia, which means that she sees colors when she hears music. She also plays several musical instruments. I love that. The Writing Blues, thank you so much for coming on and joining us today. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. How are you doing?
0: It's all good. It's a beautiful Sunday. We're having great weather out here in the AZ. So I love that. Musical instruments. What mu- musical instruments do you play?
1: Uh, I play the piano. That's what I played first. And I also play acoustic and electric guitar.
0: <gasps> oh, my gosh. That is like the best combination ever. Like, can I just say that? Because like, I play the piano, right? But that's all I play. I never learned any other instruments. So when I look at myself, I'm like, that's so nerdy. All you do is play the piano. I always wanted to learn the guitar because that's sounded so badass. So kudos to you that you can do both. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of music do you play on the on the piano, or do you like to play on the piano? Like, is it the classical stuff? Or are you more into like modern?
1: I play whatever I want to play. I don't have a specific genre that I like to play. If I get a song stuck in my head, I will typically go to the piano and learn it or play it until it's out of my head. So it's a little bit of anything and everything. I was taught to play with classical. That's what I was taught uh, how to play the piano. I kind of gave that up. I wasn't super interested in classical, or I at least wasn't interested in being told what to play. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I get it. I play a whole bunch of different songs. I think most recently I was trying to learn my little sister is obsessed with that new song, Vampire by Olivia Rodrigo. So I learned to play that for her. So It's just a whole bunch of everything. There's no one specific genre.
0: That's so, so cool. I love that, though. Music is so cool and so creative. So that's super cool that you do that. In addition to writing, which you write so well, I'm so excited to talk about this fan fiction that we're going to be talking about today. But speaking of fan fiction, why don't you go ahead and tell us how you first discovered fan fiction for the first time? I want to know how that happened and what did it feel like when it happened?
1: So I was pretty young when I discovered it. I would read anything and everything I could get my hands on, and my mother one day, we had a tablet that we used for Kindle, but I found a way to get around the little child blocks that she had set on it so I could get to the internet, and I started trying to find books on Dropbox, because you can sometimes find whole books people have uploaded onto Dropbox, but I ended up finding fanfic, and I, I was about 10. I don't remember exactly what I was searching. My family used to watch NCIS. I was trying to find something about Tony and Kate, which are two of the characters from the show. And I yeah. think it was one of the like fourth or fifth things that came up, but it was fanfiction, And I had no idea what it was, but it said story. So I thought, why not? And I decided to read it anyways. As for how it made me feel, I was pretty young. I just kind of thought it was another story. I, didn't, I still didn't fully understand what fanfic was back then. I was just surprised that somebody had actually written something about the show, and then when I discovered that there was an entire just series of page after page after page of these characters in different situations, I was really excited, and I tore through a whole bunch of them in one day. But it wasn't until I was older that I actually like realized there was a bit more importance to fanfic than just you know a ten year old thinking, "Oh, I have more to read now."
0: (laughs) Okay, so you found fanfiction on Dropbox. It sounds like.
1: It wasn't Dropbox. It might have been fanfic.net. It might have been. I just know it was on the internet. I was 10. I wasn't really paying a ton of attention as to where it came from. I know I used to read on fanfic.net before I found AO3, but I don't remember exactly what the site was that I found it when I was 10.
0: Oh, got it. Got it. Okay. I just wanted to clarify that because I was like, wow. You would have been the first person to discover fan fiction on Dropbox if that was the case, because I never heard that one before. <laughs> like, <laughs> OK, no, that makes sense. But more I don't sense. think that's where I found it. Ah, <laughs> oh, darn, 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 darn. No, that's cool, though. That's cool. And, you know, I would not have been able to remember anything at 10 years old either as far as what website I went to. But you're probably right about fanfic.net. I mean, I feel like that's how a lot of us were introduced right to fan fiction at certain points in our lives and stuff but
1: right (laughs) I wish I remembered exactly because I've tried to find one of the first few things because I I remember Bleeding Love by Leona Lewis was the title of the very first thing I ever read and I remember because I then went to YouTube to find that song but I have, I can't find the fic. I know that was the first one I ever read and I know it was an NCIS for Kate and Tony, but I have tried so hard over the years to find that thing and I just can't find it. So I don't know where it is. I don't know if it got deleted. So I think that's why I can't find where it was from because it's just disappeared.
0: Oh yeah. No, the same thing happened to me. The very first fan fiction that I ever read in my life was just on somebody's personal shrine site back in 1997. And that shine site is dead and gone years and years and years ago. So I'll never be able to go back to the very first fanfiction
1: that I ever read. Always so sad when things get deleted or they just disappear. You can't find it. Like you remember it being good or at least being an introduction to something, but it's just, it's not there anymore.
0: Yeah. All you have is the memory, you know, and you carry it with you forever. But that's okay. That's okay. That's the nature of experience and that's the nature of the internet. So you were talking before about how as you got older, you started having, I think, more maybe conscious realizations about fan fiction and what it was and what was going on and stuff like that, which kind of transitions us into the the next question here, which I always ask everybody, you know, when you think about fan fiction in general, what are your favorite things about it? Why do you write it? And I'm just kind of wondering how that question like fits into this process that you had about I don't know, having more conscious thoughts, I guess, about fan fiction as you went along.
1: <laughs> I know for me, when I was about 12 or 13, that's when I started reading it again, and I was reading it. Uh, Law and Order, the Special Victims Unit. I used to watch that show. I was probably too young to be watching that show, but I watched it anyway, and I watched Criminal Minds, and I didn't know I was gay just yet, but I definitely had way more of an interest in watching the female characters interact than I did watching like the straight couples interact. Because I knew that there were people writing stories about shows online, I decided that I was going to actually go searching specifically for fanfic. And I found the Criminal Minds. They have Emily Prentice and Jennifer Giroux. And there were very few fics about them back then. But I still found it. But I think that was definitely a different experience for me. Because at that point, I was raised in a very conservative area and a very conservative family. So queerness was very, like taboo it was not something that was talked about or shown in real life and i knew no gay people you didn't see gay people where i was so finding something you know i was just looking for a story that was just about them interacting but i found stories that were about them dating and being romantically involved so that was that was definitely when it had a deeper meaning for me because it was representation of something i hadn't seen before that was kind of like a door opening of like but this is okay so it took on a much bigger meaning as i got older and then I found, the, you know, for Special Victims Unit, I found there was Alex Cabot and Olivia Benson and that people had written fics for them as well. So it was definitely very eye-opening to see that even though these shows didn't portray queer relationships amongst these characters, there were still people out there writing about them anyways. I was still young, still didn't piece together, you know, my own sexuality for several years after that, but it was seeing it made a difference.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Seeing it made a difference and it existing in the first place gave you that representation that you probably didn't even know at the time that you were looking for. I feel like I had a similar experience in the sense that, you know, I too grew up in a very conservative family. Like homosexuality was not addressed. It was never talked about. It was so taboo. And my experience growing up was the only stories that I ever heard about gay people were sad ones you know they end in tragedy and they're terrible like horrible grief-ridden stories fan fiction was the first time in my life when I encountered queer stories that had happy endings
1: right you know they had joy it wasn't just about like sorrow and death and demise and it was so much more it was normal it was just like you'd see well, just normal. <laughs> yes. I
0: love that word that you just used. There it was normal. It was so normal. Like it wasn't, I don't know. It was just this this revelation to me where it was like, oh, you mean you can exist this way? And it can be normal and there can be joy and there can be like happy endings. Like that was so revelatory for me. And fan fiction was the only place that I was finding that at the time.
1: Well, I know too, for, for me, I specifically grew up in the Southern Baptist Church. and It wasn't just that it was taboo. It was, you know, when you did hear about lesbians, they were overly sexualized or they were only talked about in reference to like how men perceived them. So seeing fanfic where like nobody was over-sexualized and it was just completely normal romance, like nothing overtly sexual. Like, I know there are, you know, smut fics out there, but those weren't the ones I was reading at 12. But it was just seeing that, it was like, well, you know, Everything I've been taught, like they they must be wrong because here it is and it's normal. It's not all these things they say it is.
0: Yes. It sounds like, hmm, the experience of encountering those fan fictions kind of helped dismantle some of that stuff.
1: I never really believed them, but this was like further proof. Like, I don't believe them and they're not right.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Because I, I totally get that experience of like intuitively understanding that what you're being taught is not correct. But then having the empirical evidence to back it up. like Makes so much more of a difference. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It makes so much more of a difference where you're like, validation, like, this feels good. Of course, thank you, right, to all of the fan fiction writers out there who definitely (laughs) make their content available for folks who need to see stuff like that and who want to see stuff like that. So um, I love that. That's so, so great. The intellectual, I guess, like journey of a fan fiction for you and what that was like. Now, all of these years later, you're like writing fan fiction, obviously, which is super cool. I had never really, this is so embarrassing, I had never really heard of DC's Legends
1: of Tomorrow. <laughs>
0: like, there are so many things in the world I've never heard of.
1: I've introduced that to people before and they'll know all the other shows. They'll know Arrow or Supergirl, but not. that's been a pretty common reaction is that not many people know that that Legends also exists within that universe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's like best kept secret or something like that. But yeah, after I read this fan fiction, I was like, oh, I need to check out this show. This sounds so cool. I wanted to know how you got into that particular fandom and what made you fall in love with it.
1: So I started watching with Arrow, which I don't even remember what year it came out in. I want to say it was 2011, but I could be wrong. And we used to watch it as a family. My Little Brother especially loved like, all of the DC comic superheroes and everything. So when the show was coming out, it was a little too dark probably for him at his age, so he did stop watching it, but I kept watching it. And Sarah Lance is a character in Arrow, and she was one of my favorites, but I think it's season three, she gets killed off in Arrow. <gasps> what? Yeah, she they killed her off, and they bring her back, and then she went on to Legends, So I watched Legends initially because of her, but I stayed for all of the other characters and cast and just the insaneness of the whole show. But that's how I got into it, is I'd been watching Arrow since the beginning, and I never got super into The Flash or Supergirl, which all exist within that little universe, but I was always super into Legends from the beginning. I'm glad they brought her back and put her on that show, because she's why I started it, (laughs) and I stayed for everything else you know, she was one of my favorites in the show, but there's so many other amazing characters in that show.
0: Yeah, it sounds fascinating. But yeah, like it's so funny how sometimes we get into shows initially just because of like one little hook, one little hook that's like, oh, I definitely have to watch this for for that or whatever. And then we end up like falling in love with the whole thing, which is super great. I love that. Is this an ongoing show or did this end already?
1: They were supposed to have a season eight, but it was canceled. Season seven left off on a pretty big cliffhanger. It was very clear they expected to get a season eight. I think it was, I don't remember the exact month, but it was last year, around the spring summer time that it was canceled. Typically the show is renewed, or you at least have news of re- some sort of suspected renewal before the show ends. But the show actually had ended and there was no news of renewal. So when it hadn't been renewed by the time season seven was ending, I was really worried about it. And then, of course, it was, in fact, canceled.
0: Oh, man. And on a cliffhanger, too. I mean, it's a devastating thing when a show gets canceled before it's supposed to in the first place. But when they end on a cliffhanger, you're just like,
1: what the fuck?
0: I hate that. So... I'm assuming, based on my long experience in the fan fiction spaces, that that cancellation must have spurred a whole lot of fix-it type ending fix trying to resolve that cliffhanger for people.
1: You know, I really expected a massive boom too, because I've also seen that happen. Or ships where you expect characters to get together and then they don't and people fix it. And there were some, there were some that came out, but I thought there'd be a lot more than what there were. There was a handful, but the fanfic writing, it had been slowing down for a while before the show was even canceled. So it probably shouldn't have surprised me that there weren't as many that came out. But gosh, I don't even know exactly how many there were that came out. I know there's one that's a continuation and it's still going. It's fixing season eight and it's in its part two now, I think. But that's the only one that's still going, that they're still fixing. To my knowledge, at least I could be wrong. But yeah, there weren't as many as I thought there would be. I really expected a boom, too. I even expected a boom of like just normal fake, like not necessarily fix-its, but there wasn't necessarily that either. There was a small boom, but it wasn't what I expected it would be based off what I'd seen in other fandoms.
0: Right. Yeah. Because, yeah, you probably have seen the same thing that I do, that certain decisions made on the media side tend to affect what you start seeing on the AO3 fanfiction side.
1: Yeah, so that's so interesting that it- I remember when Lexa was killed in the 100, that was actually what drove me back into fanfic when I was about 15 or 16. Was her dying in the show and AO3 just exploded. And so did Tumblr and that was kind of what made me aware of the whole very your gaze trope, which has now turned into cancel your gaze. But there was a massive spike and a massive boom when that happened. And I know that uh, for Supergirl, Supercorp also had a massive boom. And then Warrior Nun was canceled and they had, they're s- still having a massive boom and fix. But I think, I think that's because Legends of Tomorrow has always been kind of a smaller fandom. Maybe it wasn't around season three, season four, but I've noticed that it's been kind of dwindling even on other social media platforms for a while, just sad. I think there's, some users who have moved on. They they used to write for this fandom, but they write for Warrior None or for um, what is it, NCIS Hawaii. So they're still around. They still write. They just write for other ships. So I really did think there'd be a boom though. So but there still were, you know, a good handful of fics coming out at the time.
0: Well, and you never know, I guess, in the future, right? As new people discover the show because I'm sure it'll still be available for streaming on different platforms and things like that. And sometimes that inspires people to like come in who weren't there. Uh, at the time, you know, that all this was going down. And, and sometimes you get some really good stuff that way. So that's so interesting. But, you know, regardless of what did or didn't happen on the fan fiction scene with the Fix-Its, you have contributed this gorgeous piece. It is called License to Kill. And the story is so many things. Like, it's hard for me to encapsulate it in a single sentence because this is like... Spy, assassin, intrigue. This is slow burn. This reminded me a little bit of like James Bond esque type suspense. There's mystery here, and of course, like love interests and things like that. It's so many different things. Like you, you did <laughs> this amazing job of weaving all of these things together. I am wondering. Well, okay. I actually had an initial question for you that occurred to me as I was reading this. Because I was looking at the dates that you posted it versus the date that you posted the last chapter on the first part. And I was thinking, did she write all of this in that amount of time or did she write it beforehand and then post it? So like my initial question was, how long did it take you to write this whole thing from beginning to end?
1: So I am a serial procrastinator. That was my the semester I was writing. This was my final semester in college. and. I also don't sleep. I have really, really bad insomnia. And so when I'm not sleeping, I'm writing. But typically, I I was writing these on the days that they, that they were posted. So these, this wasn't written out ahead of time. I did have a really extensive outline. I have a really weird way of outlining that I've since fixed because that wasn't working for me. It was basically the whole scene and I would just have to go and flesh it out later. I wasn't writing all of the chapter and just, you know, I think it was like 24 to 32 hours typically in between the first series of chapters. But one of my, you know, flaws with that is that I wasn't editing because I hate editing because I, I would have to post right away or I would convince myself to not post. So the reason it's not edited for the first like 12 chapters, I think, before Crencher came is because I would just post it right away so that I wouldn't, you know, back down from posting it. So <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yes, it would, I want to say it would take me, I didn't write all in one sitting. So it's hard to say exactly how long each one took me. But in the beginning, when I wasn't exactly planning the way that I should have been, it didn't take two, three or four hours. Because I would, I would start writing at like 10 at night and I would stay up until two or three. So I want to say each chapter took me that long.
0: I'm so impressed. Like this whole thing is impressing me. I'm a slow writer. That's probably why I'm so impressed. Because, like, I could never. These chapters are not, like, wimpy little chapters. These chapters are, like, they're bulky, you know? There's stuff in there. And so, like, you you, you know, I'm sure that every time you post a new chapter, nobody was disappointed by the length of it and, like, how much, like, stuff happens in it. I'm just so impressed
1: that you're able to, like, write a whole bulky chapter in four hours? Really? (laughs) It takes me longer now because I do a much better job of planning and do a much better job when I, it took me about five days to write the whole outline for this, and then I spent another five days tweaking it, and then I spent another five days changing it. The story that I wrote is not the story I had outlined initially. It changed about three or four times. So that's why there's some continuity errors here and there that I notice. I'm not sure if other people notice. I wish I had time to go back and fix them, but I always forget where they are. That's been a problem, but it does take me significantly longer now to write, and I'm actually glad it takes me longer to write now because I end up being much happier with the finished product because I've actually edited it and actually like planned out what I want to go where because the plot in that story kind of fell apart on me a little bit. So I'm much happier now that I go slow. So I did go fast. It wasn't necessarily a super good thing.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, I just I loved it. And the thing with my mind is that I tend to just focus on the things I want to focus on. And so like my brain doesn't care about plot holes and things like that. (laughs) Like, I just don't care. So like, I would never notice. So like, as far as I'm concerned, the story is perfect and has no plot holes because my mind refuses to pay attention to stuff like that.
1: So <laughs> See, that's what people told me, and I'm like, yeah, but you didn't notice like this one big thing, and she was like, no, I didn't notice. And I was like, well, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, Mm-mm. no. I was more focused on like the relationship and the feelings, and I guess that's what my brain wants to focus on. Um, which there was tons of that in this story, which it was so great. I'm kind of wondering, like, what inspired this particular story? What made you want to write? license to kill? And were there any like particular themes or messages or anything that you were hoping to kind of explore specifically?
1: I think for this, so we were actually, me and my partner were rewatching Killing Eve as I was trying to plan all the different fix for the, it's the AU guest challenge. I actually don't know if that's how it said. I think that's how it said, but this story was part I don't even know the number in that challenge and I hadn't started writing it yet when we were rewatching Killing Eve and it kind of started inspired off of that cuz they definitely Villanelle and Eve kind of have that push and pull and you know one of them's an assassin and the other's not necessarily a spy but definitely works for spy adjacent organizations so that was that was one of the inspirations and I grew up watching James Bond with my family, you know. I didn't like all the different bits in it because there's a lot of issues those movies have, but I liked the spy aspect of it and Mission Impossible. I mean, I just recently watched the new Mission Impossible with my mother. <laughs> so, but yeah, those are always, you know, movies I really liked. And there's not there's one queer spy movie, it's called Debs, but it was, it was not my favorite movie. So I wanted to do like a queer spy and assassin situation. So, And then it just kept changing and I added more to it. It was only supposed to be, I want to say, 10 chapters. And they weren't supposed to be as long as they turned out to be. But this was the first idea of the August challenge where you write 31 things for 31 prompts. This was the first prompt that I started with. So it just kind of became its own beast <laughs> the more I kept adding to it
0: yeah there was a lot of like not only are you dealing with the relationship aspect between Ava and Sarah but you also do have more of a complicated plot compared to like you know other plots and fan fictions that I've seen and stuff so you were dealing with like this um, intricate plot and then like the relationship aspect and I was just so impressed by how well you balanced all of those things Because I feel like the plot could have easily overtaken the story of the developing relationship
1: between the two characters, right? But you didn't do that. (laughs) Yeah, that's the excuse I use when, you know, because again, the plot got away from me. So that's usually the, like, excuse as well, you know, I didn't want it to overpower the relationship between them. So, you know, I guess it's a good thing it was in the background so much because I don't actually think... The issues of the plot are as obvious to everyone else as they are to me, because I know exactly where the outlines kind of diverged from each other. And suddenly some old things didn't make as much sense, but nobody seemed to really notice it. So it was it was supposed to be a bit more organized, but it's probably fine that it wasn't.
0: Oh, it's totally fine. It's a really fun, fun, fun read. I loved reading this fic so much. It's funny when you get down into like the actual characters, right? Cause I, I love looking at the relationship dynamic between two characters and being like, okay, what kind of dynamic archetype, right, are we looking at here and stuff? And this <laughs> this reminded me a little bit of like the grumpy and the sunshine character dynamic a little bit. Ava is so funny. And I don't know because I've never seen the show, so I don't know how close this is to how they are in canon, but In your story, Ava is so precise, right? She seems really organized. She seems like really data-driven, responsible, like on point. I mean, like unflappable, right? And, (laughs) And then you have Sarah. And she seems to be the total opposite. So chaotic, so like, woo, just kind of whatever I feel like doing. And she introduces like these elements of chaos into Ava's life. And they seem total opposites in the ways that they approach their work. And yet, they're both considered one of the best in their fields by their respective organizations, which I thought was so interesting. But it was so cool to watch two characters who are complete opposites interacting with each other in this way. It was so interesting. I feel like I related more to Ava. Because I am that like super logical, like <laughs> you know, buttoned up person who's like, ah, you know. Um, and I just I, I thought that was funny when we, we were talking before we were recording and you were telling me like, yeah, I kind of have like chaos energy a little bit. And I thought immediately when you said that, I thought, oh, that sounds like Sarah.
1: It's funny because I think I think it's like a mix. Like I actually do really well with routine and structure and I'm quite bossy, like. I like to have things structured a certain way, and people can do what they want as long as they like do it within that structure. But then when it comes to other things, like I get side rail or like uh, what is it, uh, sidetracked. I get sidetracked quite often, and there's several areas where it's just more of a go with the flow situation. So I think like a mix of both probably, but definitely I always liked Ava on the show because she is very detail oriented, but throughout the different seasons, you kind of watch her like slowly let go a little bit and kind of start to do things like the Legends way. So that was, she was a really fun character to watch grow because she she came along in season three of Legends, which is uh, when I started reading fanfic for that particular fandom because from like the first episode with her in it and Sarah, uh, there's like a really tense scene in the uh, lobby of the bureau where Ava works and... I I saw that scene and I was like, there's got to be fanfic now after this episode. So and there was pretty soon after that. So she's a very fun character.
0: Oh, my God. That is so awesome. And yeah, it's so funny when we encounter these scenes in canon. Right. And we can like it's like we have this sixth sense or something and we can look at a scene and be like that scene that had to have inspired like a thousand fanfictions at this point. Right. That's my favorite thing to do. I live alone now, so I have no one. To point those things out to. But when I had people living in my house with me, that was always my favorite thing to do when we were watching a show. I would pause it and be like, see that scene right there? That right there. <laughs> and people, people would look at me like I was crazy because I was the only fan fiction person in the house ever. But anyway, yeah. So that's just so interesting. You know, the thing that I, I find interesting, you said that Ava kind of has this development in the way that she functions, I guess, in canon, right? I saw that element in your fan fiction so many times. And I remember I made this note as I was reading and I was saying in my notes, you know, a lot of times what happens with this grumpy character and the sunshine character dynamic is the sunshine character wears the grumpy character down through attrition, basically, <laughs> you know, <laughs> until they like sort of learn to relax and everything a little bit. So that's very interesting that that's also the journey that she takes in canon a little bit, is that she kind of learns to, I don't know, do things a different way or see things a different way.
1: In terms of like actual personality, I think Ava's typically called the more sunshiny one, but that only came later when she kind of loosened up and let go a little bit, uh, whereas Sarah's always been kind of the one that's, you know, a bit more moody. But when it came to like how they tackle problems, like Ava would be the grumpy one. Whereas Sarah was kind of, you know, throw whatever you want at the wall and hope it sticks. It's interesting because they both got, they kind of like mixed how they do things a little as the seasons went on. Like Sarah started, you know, actually, not that she never had plans before, they just weren't fully formed. They weren't like the kind of plans Ava would make. So, but they kind of started to blend who did what, even as the show seasons went on. So they, they were two very fun characters to watch on that show. I mean, every character on there was, but that was, that was one of my favorite romances on the show was, was them. One of the things that
0: I really loved about watching these two characters in your fic was just, I feel like you did a really great job of leading us down this path. And maybe this was like, I don't know, maybe this felt different for me because I was reading this fandom blind. But you did this really beautiful job of pointing out how profound this connection was between Ava and Sarah because of their respective backgrounds. When I went into this fic and you established immediately, like, Ava's a spy and Sarah's an assassin. And I'm thinking in my brain, OK, great. Got it. Spy. Assassin. But I don't really sit there for five minutes to really think about what that means. And it wasn't until you started talking about that in your fic that I realized, oh, my God, (laughs) being a spy, being an assassin for these shadowy organizations means a lot of things to a person in their day to day life. You know, it didn't occur to me until you like went there in your writing. They're so disconnected from normal human interaction. That was like a revelation to me, like, oh, my God, yes, of course, because you have these beautiful lines in there about how disconnected and how unmoored Ava is. You know, her parents are dead. She's got no family. She's got no friends, it sounds like, except for Dimitri and his wife. Maybe Gary, if you want to count Gary, but I'm not counting
1: Gary. That's kind of the Canon attitude. He is is Gary's kind of there. I like him in Canon though, but he Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so like she lives this, like, you know, on the one hand, I suppose she really loves her work, but on the other hand, like how
1: how isolating is that? That you have no one. This was from the first outline I did, and I had to kind of change that as I went, because the first outline was how the story was supposed to go, and obviously it didn't go that way. So I kind of had to reroute, and I love slow burns. I love reading slow burns, so I have a hard time not writing slow burns, because I think that we write what we want to read. At least I do. I I wouldn't be able to write something that I wouldn't want to read. Absolutely love slow burns. So. I needed to kind of think through why it might take them ages to get together because they're both kind of that, you know, they do what they want in a way, but they kept staying away from each other, even though that's definitely what they wanted. So I needed a reason (laughs) for them to just not get together. And that was my partner. She definitely helped me with brainstorming with that. And, you know, we sat and we reasoned through that it must be pretty lonely when you're you know, aspire an assassin, or anyone who works any job where they have to do covert operations and you have to pretend to be somebody else every other day, like you kind of just forget who you really are and what you really want. So, we definitely had fun. She loves doing that. My partner loves doing that for things. She'd be like, Well, what if you did this? What if you did that? So, she definitely helped a ton with this. And there are several lines in there that are her responsibility that she, she said they should say something. So, she's just She's very helpful with that. But that was kind of why that was in there is because I needed a reason for them to not just grow together in the relationship, but also grow on their own. Cause they both got tired of the way that things were.
0: I love that because yes, you did such a tremendous job with that of like explaining that that's kind of where they were both coming from. Cause Sarah has a similar background, right? Where she's kind of estranged from her family. They think she's dead, actually. And um and uh and so she has no one too. And so You know, they meet each other and this is like the first time in their entire adult lives where they're like tentatively reaching out to somebody else and somebody else is reaching back. And it's super scary because neither of them like have any experience with this whatsoever. And so it's almost like this instinctive thing at first where they're just kind of running on instinct going like this feels really good. I've never experienced anything like this before. What is this? As they consciously start realizing, like, there's feelings here, right? That's when it gets a little complicated because, you know, I think there's that there's those parts in the later chapters where they both admit we have no idea how to do this. We have no idea how to have relationship, you know, let alone a romantic relationship with another human being because we've never been allowed to do that before. I love that you address that and made that a part of the story because it just made it so
1: interesting it's been really hard because I'm doing the continuation now. I say continuation, but it's actually, I don't really know what else you'd call it, but it's really not a continuation. It's filling in Sarah's point of view of the gaps because I think it was by chapter four or five, I realized that it couldn't fit everything in there that I wanted to fit in there unless I wanted this to be an absolute just monster. It was already getting long enough. So I had kind of accepted by then that I might do a continuation from Sarah's point of view. So I carved out little spots in the original that I knew I could fill with her point of view showing just a different situation. It's been pretty difficult because I got so used to to writing. Like, Ava's reasoning for everything, but even though they live in a similar world and they do similar things, even in canon, they always had different reasonings for doing things. Like, I had in the, in the original in The License to Kill that for Ava, it was about learning to trust other people, but For Sarah's point of view, it's been a bit harder because her issue isn't trusting others. It's trusting herself. That's very much her canon struggle, too, is that, you know, she even breaks up with Ava and canon because she thinks that she's not good enough and that she'll hurt Ava one day. So it was a little easier because I could use canon a lot for this to mirror uh, what I wanted their, you know, personalities and struggles to be. But it's been hard shifting to Sarah's point of view because I was so used to writing Ava's that now... Sarah has a completely different motivation. I have to be careful reading the original that like I read just enough to know where I am writing the chapter of the continuation, but not so much that I accidentally mimic some of Ava's struggles that she had in Sarah's PW, so.
0: Right, right. Kind of, you know, not trying not to muddy the waters too much. But I love that you're doing that though, because what a incredible exercise. To first, like, see the story from one character's point of view, from Ava's, and then to try to step into Sarah's point of view, who, like, you are absolutely correct that based on what I know about these two characters from your fic, I can totally see how she would have a completely different perspective and a completely different point of view and completely different motivations, like you said, for the things that she does, because, of course, she has a different background with different experiences and she's just a different person. I love that you're doing that because like, I feel like that exercise must be stretching you, right? Like in ways as a writer.
1: It's fun because I get to include things I didn't before and that I wanted to put into the original, but that, you know, by the time I finished the original, I had been working on that for so long that it took me a while to get through the final two chapters because I think sometimes you just get not tired of a story, but like kind of. You've been writing it for so long that you just have a bit of like, fatigue from writing that one story. So I needed to just let it sit for a bit. And at the point that I finished the last chapter, I was like, well, maybe I won't do a continuation. But I think it was just a few months later that I decided that actually I would. So it's been fun to get to do things because I remember where I carved out the little points that I could put the chapters from her point of view. And it's also been fun because sometimes... I've added I think two chapters that weren't ever supposed to be in there already into the continuation and the next chapter that I'm working on I was that's not supposed to be in there but it's going in there anyway cuz my partner was like well what if they did this and I was like well I guess they could do that so now it's in there now It's fun cuz I get to kind of take my time and the chapters are much shorter and the shorter chapters are much much easier <laughs> crincher who she she edits for me she's another uh, author in the fandom and they're also easier for like both of us to get through when it comes to editing. And so it's been, it's been fun doing it. The first one that I did was, it was a little stressful because I was writing so fast that I probably should have just slowed down and taken my time.
0: I see. So that's interesting that the experience of doing the second part has been a completely different experience with a completely different mindset and perspective on it, which is so interesting. And I'm glad that it's like, more of a relaxed kind of, you know, vibe and you're just having fun with it. Because, yeah, like I feel like you did. What What's the word I'm looking for? Like you did the hard work, I guess, you know, and you can tell you did the hard work with the first part, right? <laughs> that's like the bulk and the detail and everything. And now you can kind of just riff off of that, I guess, with the Yeah, that's with the also what's
1: fun is because I don't have to actually establish everything and I don't have to worry about, you know, I have, I have an issue. I've gotten a little bit better not much i'm working on it with exposition and including just a little bit too much of that sometimes and and the original i know i included a lot but the good thing is is that now it helps me because i don't have to explain things in the continuation the way i did in the original but yeah it has been really different because i'm i'm kind of just putting smaller pieces in place and not establishing like a foundation this time
0: right exactly well that's so cool and that's so exciting i think it's always so cool when um when writers decide to continue the story. But going back to like your memory of writing the first part, do you remember which part of the fic was your favorite
1: to write? There were a few different parts. Now, in like retro or hindsight retrospect, whichever you want to say, the part that I actually ended up being the happiest with is the part that I dreaded writing the most. I have a really, really hard time writing endings like, a really hard time. I don't know what it is. I think it's just because it's final, so you have to make sure you wrap everything up and wrap it up well. But I had a really, really hard time with both of the endings. And I think Crincher and I spent, like, I don't know, 45 minutes or longer on a, on a Word document just trying to figure out how it was going to end because even the endings are not what they were supposed to be originally. That's why there's two, because I couldn't decide. And I just said, you know, fuck it there's going to be two but i had such a hard time writing those and planning those but then they actually ended up being my favorite the second ending the last chapter chapter 20 was my favorite chapter that i wrote even though i dreaded it as i was getting there cuz it just i wanted it to be like a solid ending and i wanted to wrap up everything that i wanted to wrap up but it just it seemed like a big task but now that everything's done that's still my favorite chapter so I don't know if there's one that I like enjoyed writing or a section that I enjoyed writing more than the other. I had a pretty good time with it, except for the endings. I had a, you know, it was pretty level the whole way across. But, you know, the funny thing is that now that the endings are done, they're actually the ones that I enjoy the most. So
0: that's so, so cool. I was going to ask you too, as a follow-up, like what part of the writing process was the most challenging? Would you say that the answer is kind of the same for that question too, as far as like, the last chapter being the most challenging or
1: <laughs> Yeah, I think like there's a few things. Like I have a hard time with the first line. Like the very first line of the very first chapter. Really? Like sometimes I have a good line and I'm like, this is good. This will work. Like I like that it starts off this way. But other times not so much. Like again, Cruncher has been a ton of help with that because I'll tell her kind of how I want to start it and then we'll sit and brainstorm and eventually we'll find something together because she's she's really great with starting her things off. But I have a hard time <laughs> with starting that first sentence and um, the planning. I have been a lot better and a lot more organized with the planning. And again, that is also thanks to Crincher. So she's very, she's much more organized when it comes to like planning out where things are supposed to go than I am. So we've been working together for quite a while now, and I guess I've picked up her good habits. So I'm definitely better with planning. But that used to be really hard for me. I'd have a hard time outlining and a hard time figuring out exactly where I wanted or what I wanted to go where. So those were the harder parts for me. But yeah, the endings still remain hard.
0: (laughs) I think that that's so interesting that your perspectives and practices on planning have changed. You know what I mean? Because like it just I don't know. I've, I've talked to so many writers over the years and stuff and and it seems like most of the writers I talk to just they do it a certain way, and once they do it that certain way and it works for them, they just do that forever. you know so that's so cool and interesting that you've been able to kind of experiment a little bit, and like you said, being exposed to other writers and other you know people like your um, beta reader that can kind of I don't know, maybe introduce other ways, right, of doing things and stuff. And then I'm sure that it's kind of fun sometimes to just try them, right, and see if they work and then discover, like, this actually works a lot better than how I was doing it before or I'm much happier with this
1: process now or, you know, what have you. Especially when it comes to editing. Like, again, I used to just not edit it. I was like, if I don't post this when I finish it, I will probably talk myself <laughs> out of posting it right now you know country does edit for me and we talk about it and if i even thought about not posting something she she would not let that happen so it's also just good because we help with a lot of stuff like i always thank her for editing but tell people it's more than just editing because like we brainstorm everything like any little piece of like help you can think of when trying to write a story like she's helped me with that before so it's just very helpful because you you get to see the way someone else does the same thing that you do, but it's a completely different method. And sometimes you realize that their way works a lot better than the way that you were doing it. So, whatever works, I do it until it stops working.
0: There's just a magic with collaboration. The more that I get into the world of like creativity and making things that didn't exist before or working with other people creatively. The more convinced I am that there's magic (laughs) in collaborating with other people, especially people that you vibe with really well. I don't know. There's just this really interesting energy that I think can sort of lead us to really amazing results when we, I guess, open up ourselves to that and uh, allow it in, right? <laughs> and decide to trust other people, I guess, which is funny because that's kind of what happens in the story, in the fic, right? Once they learn to trust each other, magical things happen. Right? <laughs> I just want to say one more little thing that um, this fic, I just have to tell you, it made me think so much. Because it was a slow burn, You were able to really slow us down and focus a lot on the relationship aspect of what's going on with Ava and Sarah. Because of course, there's the plot stuff where Ava's being a spy and Sarah's being an assassin, and there's all of that, like, you know, stuff going on. But then you're also watching their relationship kind of build from nothing to something. And there was this part, I wanna say it was like in the middle of the vic somewhere. There are these parts where They save each other's lives in the course of their work. They save each other's lives. And when I looked at that, I was like, oh, that's so interesting and so cool. Like, you know, that they could save each other's lives. Like, that's high stakes, right? Then there's this part in this fic where Ava is in the middle of working. And ah, you're going to have to forgive me because the way I remember it is maybe not the way it actually happened. But I feel like there was some sort of bomb that went off. And it really, like, scared Ava. She seems to have some prior experience with that that was not so good. And so Sarah shows up in the middle of that, and Ava's like, what are you doing here? And Ava goes, oh, I I knew you would be scared because this bomb went off. So I I showed up because I knew that you would be scared. And that hit me. I have to tell you (laughs) that that hit me in this way that made me think all week about this, I've been thinking about the different kinds of love that there are. And of course, you know, high stakes love where it's like life and death and you're saving your partner's life. And it's like, uh, and of course, that's exciting and stuff. Right. But then you get down to this other like level of love where it's not so much high stakes, but it's a more intimate kind of love because you really have to know somebody. Sarah would really have to know that about Ava to show up like that. And to be like, I know this isn't like saving your life or anything, but I didn't want you to feel sad or uncomfortable in this moment. So I decided to be here to give you that comfort that you needed. And to me, like that almost felt more profound than them saving each other's lives.
1: Yeah, I almost that scene. I think it's the marketplace scene where Sarah, she comes to tell Ava that there's a bomb going off later that night. And she came there specifically to warn her, even though you know she was injured. That was the one scene that made it from the very first outline. And I was going to cut it because I was like, this doesn't, it doesn't really fit necessarily anymore. And then my partner was like, don't you dare cut that. So she's responsible for that staying in because I was actually, that was, that was going to be removed, but that was on the cutting board. And she was like, you better not.
0: (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad that she did it because that one scene made me think all week long because it made me think of all the times in my own relationships that I've done little little things, right? Little minutia things for my partners that weren't high stakes at all, but were still profound and sometimes they do, you know, they would do things for me back and it I don't know. There's there was just something beautiful about that little minutia detail that was like that feels like
1: love to me in this profound way. <laughs> I'm having a hard time explaining it, but that's, like, you know, one of my favorite kinds of love. Like, I also like the high-stakes stuff, too. But I think, like, just those little moments, like, where people, they kind of show their love through, like, how much they know about someone. Like, this sheer empathy that comes with it. That's one of my favorite things. And I think I've put that in in other fix before because I honestly think that's more special than, you know, because anyone can save somebody's life. You know, a stranger could have saved their lives and that, but... To know something like that, to come and to do something like that, like I just think that's almost like a deeper, more intimate kind of love. Yes.
0: Oh, see, you put it way better than I did. That's exactly like how I felt about it. And it like prompted this whole like, you know, rabbit hole of thoughts in my head like all week. And I, you know, I was talking about it with my friends. Like, what do you think about this concept? This is so interesting. So we had just had a great time with it. And it's all thanks to your fic. So thank you for keeping that in and for writing that in the first place, because, um, yeah, that just felt so profound to me. I've got two more questions before we end off with the shout outs. I was looking through your list of fics because sometimes I like to be nosy like that. Right. As I was looking through the list of fics and I was delighted to find that they are all femme slash fics. I love that. I was wondering, just from a femme slash writer perspective, is there like one thing you wish more people knew or understood about Fem Slash? Because I feel like it's not always on the forefront. It's not always talked about. It's not always, you know, addressed. So I was just wondering if there was anything, like one thing that you wish more people understood.
1: Well, I guess just the importance of the representation. Like, especially now when there's so many queer shows that are being canceled or shows with queer leads that are being canceled or not renewed or they're cutting the season short. So, you know, you can't cancel fanfic. It's always going to be there for people to read and to enjoy. So I think that's kind of something I've really enjoyed about it is that as young as when I started reading, Fim Slash has always existed. It's always endured just through the terrible things that keep happening to the, you know, on-screen queer characters, but they're still there. And in fact, that just seems to like inspire more fix and more outrage when shows decide to go that path. But I think, for me, it was just just the importance of again, like I said, the representation like I don't think that can be understated or overstated. It's just you know that really helped me when I was younger, and I saw that and realized it's normal, and it's not taboo, and it's just just seeing that there and seeing how normalized it was so I think but just how many fandoms there are out there and and almost every single one of them has a queer ship somewhere in there, even if it's just a rare pairing, so I just and, you know, Fem Slash isn't just for queer people, like straight people. I have straight friends who read Fem Slash and they love it. So I think that's another big thing, you know, because I had someone who was like, well, only lesbians or bisexual people read about lesbians or bisexual people. And I was like, that's not true. <laughs> I was like, you don't have to just be part of the queer community to read it. So I think mainly it just comes down to the representation because that's what meant the most to me.
0: Yes, I would agree with that. I love that answer. Thank you so much. This next question, I've actually never asked anyone before. You're the first person to be asked this. Um, You know, it occurred to me that sometimes when we get in situations where people are asking us questions, super fun, right, to be able to talk about our projects and things like that. But sometimes there's that one question you wish somebody would ask you and then they don't. Um, So I thought I would just kind of open it up really quick. What's one question you wish somebody would ask you? And then how would you answer that one question?
1: I spent like the 15 minutes leading up to this interview, plus some time before that, trying to figure out what to say to this question. (laughs) Um, I'm pretty reserved with talking about my writing. Like even doing this podcast is a brand new thing. And definitely talking about my writing is outside of my comfort zone. And it's good to step outside your comfort zone. But I don't really know what I wish someone would ask me because I'm Pretty laid back, people can ask whatever or not ask whatever there's There's not really a question that I'm uh like dying for somebody to ask me, so the only thing I could come up with is and it really has very little to do with my writing uh but I've been naming chapters after songs. they could ask like, well, why is this chapter named after this song and then I you know because I love music, so I'm always happy to show people new music and so but that's that was the only question. I could think of. And again, that has absolutely nothing to do with my writing and mostly to do with the music. So
0: yeah, but it has everything to do with fandom culture, because like the amount of jokes in the fan fiction space about how often we name our fan fictions or fan fiction chapters after song titles and lyrics and things is like, it's so memeable because like <laughs> it's this big thing. So okay, so here's my question then as a follow up to that really quick. What is your favorite chapter title from this project?
1: Uh, they were actually all just named Part 1 through Part 20 because I have not a creative bone in my body. Uh, so from License to Kill, <laughs> they were all... I Now, I fixed that in the continuation because, well, Crincher told me I can't just keep naming things Part 1 and Part 2. So everything I did after License to Kill has proper chapter titles.
0: But Okay, and, and which one's your favorite from, from the continuation? What's your favorite title so far?
1: I like... Oh my gosh, how is it even slipping my mind? It's a Sweet Talk by I think it's Saint Motel and it's chapter four, I think. They're in the airport. My partner loves that song. She she we have there's a playlist we have on Spotify that I've been compiling songs as I listen to them to try and fit them to chapters. And I really like that song and I try really hard to fit like the lyrics of the song to what the chapter is about or like the main idea or the main thing of the chapter. That would probably be my favorite one because I think that's the one that fit the best so far.
0: Nice. Nice. Okay. I'm going to have to listen to that after we get off here because I've never heard of that. Okay. So we have uh, about three minutes left. Are there any other fan fiction writers you'd like to shout out on the podcast today real quick?
1: Well, I would probably have to, well, not have to. I don't have to. She'll would (laughs) fuzz at me if I say have to. (laughs) Cringer. So we've been working together since, well, about this time last year, and she writes fanfic. Her August collection is actually the reason I started doing my August collection, which is why I started writing, sure, Avalance at all. I had been writing them before, but I only actually started writing again in publishing because I realized I could enjoy doing an August collection like she did. So she does an amazing August collection, but I think one of my favorite pieces that she does is pattern recognition, and it is about the robos from the shows. So there was a robo version of everybody on the show. And they're kind of trying to overcome their programming. But yeah, she really likes themes like fate versus choice. So they're like destined to be their robot selves, but they still choose to fall in love with each other time after time after time after time. So it's a really great three part series. And that is one of my favorite things that she's written to this day. So and she's doing an X-Files AU right now. And she got me into X-Files and I'm really enjoying the X-Files at you. So I will shout her out because she is a good friend and an amazing writer. So That's awesome. So
0: we'll make sure that we get the link for Crincher up on the show notes as well so that people can check them out and everything. But thank you so, so much for joining us today, for talking DC Legends of Tomorrow, for talking License to Kill beautiful fan fiction. I encourage everybody out there to go check it out. But uh Writing Blues, thank you so much for being here today and and talking with us about fan fiction.
1: Thank you for having
0: me. Absolutely. Check out her stories on AO3 and give her some love. You can find the Fanfic Maverick online at fanficmaverickpodcast.com, on Tumblr at fanficmaverickpodcast, on Instagram and Twitter at fanficmaverick and I can always be reached at fanficmaverick at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, and I will see you next episode. In the meantime, keep on rolling.